Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. We're going down the rabbit hole with a really fun interview today. We've got our wonderful friend, Mr. John Lovell from Warrior Poet Society here with us. And his beard. And and his magnificent beard, which I can actually smell from across the room. It smells fantastic. Uh, John is a former Army Ranger, really good dude, full of great knowledge, and he has some really fun shenanigans over on YouTube, and he's got some other fun projects that we're going to talk about. John, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. My my beard is also doing well. <laughs> um, I followed it here. Nice. So uh, I was a little miffed that my beard was invited, but I was not. And I feel like I was just, I'm here so that the beard could get here. And I, I don't know, not to start off negatively, but I feel a little objectified. Yeah. From the guy that doesn't have a beard. There's a little beard envy. Because I've never been able to grow a beard. <laughs> Sorry if I already took your nice, clean podcast and torpedoed it with horrible dad jokes, no, 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 but no, that's no, how no. I roll, bro. That's absolutely, absolutely fine. It was always so, the risk. Uh, we've actually been doing a little bit of filming uh, over the last day here. It's been a lot of fun, some really cheeky shenanigans, and anytime we have John down, we always like to come up with some just really fun stuff to do, uh, because I feel like the Second Amendment and just culture in general when it comes to guns, it's super important to have fun and show people that guns can be a lot of fun and everything like that. And anytime I have John down, we always find it to be really important for us to just have fun. Right. Absolutely. And we had a lot of fun yesterday. What <laughs> what did we do? We started out with the 50 cal, right? Shooting through those steel I-beams. We did. That was really fun. And we went the API rounds, which was <laughs> even more fun. Yep. Love API. And uh, nice. then we got the Polaris out, and I was the top gunner, which doesn't have a good way to be a top gunner on a polaris you just got to kind of lay down brace your legs against the sides and hope that eric doesn't try to drive like insert your favorite nascar driver's name i realize with your following if i say the wrong driver everyone's going to be ticked <laughs> how dare you say so and so when you should have said so that driver sucks I'm like man i don't follow nascar i was just trying to make a metaphor so i sidestepped crisis averted there but anyway eric was driving like a bat out of hell and i was sliding around the top of the players while shooting a suppressed m4 at targets that had been rigged with little bombs and so we had these nice huge fireballs going off as i'd hit them and uh, we drive past them, so that was epic fun. And then we ended off the day with what? We had the the thirty seven millimeter uh, parrot rifle out. We were running the mm, cannon, the cannon. So yes. that was some fun. So we, we ran the one point one pound solid, mm-hmm. and then we were able to do a buckshot round and take out a bunch of three liter sodas with one shot. So that was wow. So there'll be videos of all of this debauchery on the tube. And believe it or not, uh, no alcohol was involved. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Canon thing, I, I don't know whether that'll make our YouTube channel. I think that's going straight on the network in an episode uh, that you guys will be featured on. So um, why don't we take a moment to talk a little bit about your yeah. network? Uh, I've purposely been skating around the subject because I really wanted to kind of get this raw and unfiltered without me having any previous carnal knowledge of exactly what's going on. I've only got bits and pieces, but uh, tell us a little bit about the network and what you're trying to accomplish with that. Sure. So we are rolling out the Warrior Poet Society Network June 1st, 2020. So we're in the last month before it launches and already people are just in droves signing up which is really really exciting though i don't think a lot of people really have an idea of what it is if i had to describe it in one sentence i'd say it's like a disney plus for masculinity and violence you look Hmm. and whether it's netflix or disney plus or whatever you're looking at i don't see my values really represented well in the modern male I see one of two extremes, and typically it's kind of the Hugh Grant figure where everyone they're very sensitive, very funny, and typically they're just like some lapdog following the wife around who's accomplishing her dreams and goals and being the responsible one, while right. the male really just follows along apologizing and being a bit of a dud. 
And I'm like, man, that's not it. But I'm like, when was the last time you actually saw kind of like a a strong, traditional values, Christian, dangerous man as kind of like a, a, a role model or whatnot? And I'm like, I'd like to see that in both of what I learned from educationally and entertainment-wise. And I think that's why a lot of the YouTube channels have blown up. This is something different. We have our YouTube channel, and it's doing well. What we're not doing is just another higher-quality version of our YouTube channel. Our YouTube quali- our YouTube content would not fit on the network. This is like TV shows that have a storyline, and it's really following nice. a lot of the uh, – our first show is the Warrior Poet Show. And so basically that's following our behind-the-scenes. That's our lives. That's in our homes. That's on the ranges. And so you're you're kind of going through life with us. And, and with all the messy and beautiful drama that you might experience – so, I mean – you're, yeah. Any, anyway, uh, it, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, um, real life, I suppose. And uh, there's a bunch of other shows that we have uh, started uh, signing as well and started recording on. Uh, Tony Sentmanot will be in kind of the fitness category, so you get to know Tony, and you'll watch this dude who's he's about my height. Uh, and he's about my agility, which means he, he, you know, he's quick, fast, can get down on a knee, pie a corner, take a shot, and then off sprinting. But he is double my strength, which I'm not like a weak dude, you know. I'm not like a, I'm a fittish dude. He's just a freak. He's just a a freak of nature, you know, a horrifying powerhouse of a man. Real charming personality. The right. guy that gets up and drinks like 10 baby chickens every morning. He drinks 10 <laughs> baby chickens every morning. No, but uh, he is fun, dude. But uh, he'll have his own uh, mini-series. I just got off the phone with another guy, Travis Hall. He was a uh, um, special forces medic. He's got, I think, nine tours overseas. Wow. And now he has a rescue that's uh, teaming up like Belgians, Mount Oise with uh, veterans, and so it's a rescue. It's a nonprofit, really cool. And we'll have his life. We have Ryan Mitchler of Order of Man. That there's something. We have got uh, Doctor Johnny Bragg, who's going to be doing some stuff. Anyway, we've got uh, a few different shows, and the goal is is to have a whole bunch of shows in the future. But we're just going to roll out with a few real high quality that uh, categorically check a few different boxes. So you got fitness. You got guns, you got some politics, you got some comedy, and so, and we'll continue to develop that, but it's our in-house production teams going out, getting this content, editing in a real fun storyline view. As a neat bonus, we're also, since it's kind of like, here's, here's Warrior Poet Society and all of our very, very dangerous friends. You know, here's all my special operations dudes, and here's some of their lives. And not all ops guys. I mean, we got, you just heard of like, uh, Tony was more of like, he was a SWAT dude, though he spent some time in the Corps, Marine Corps as well. But, uh, and some folks won't be vets at all and are really just more gun hobbyists. So there's there's room for a lot of different people, but we're just kind of rolling out a few different guys uh, shows right off the bat because we have limited production teams and we're not going to do it unless it's really high value. As an added bonus, we also filmed my training courses. My day job nice. is I travel the country teaching gunfighting to all kinds of people, but uh, pistol fighting, rifle fighting, room clearing, uh, whatever. So that's kind of my day job. So when I'm not moonlighting on YouTube, making videos and stuff, I'm training people quick draw kind of stuff and taking angles and space. So all of our classes will be included in a network. So you can get on the network, be entertained with shows or jump into my classes, which are a lot of people are upset at us because they can't get in our classes. We'll usually sell out months in advance. The moment we post a class, it sells out that day. Um, and, and now, is it because people find out the beard is going to be there, and that's what really drives them to, to purchase that class really quick? Mainly the beard is leading the classes. I happen to be there just as kind of like an AI to my beard. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of the backup man. Like You're, you're sort of attached. 
Yes. So, yeah. They get yeah. one free touch with every <laughs> ticket, and then every additional touch, it costs extra. Yeah. Uh, so so last <laughs> night, we watched the first episode of Tiger King with you. Right. Okay. Oh, which boy. I, I was watching your reaction a little bit, kind of seeing how yeah. you'd react. And I remember the whole time, all I saw on John's face was dollar signs, because I, I could see him thinking, man, that's untapped potential. I could open a John Lovell beard petting zoo <laughs> on the side of the road. People could come by and, and do some kind of, you know, not heavy petting, but a gentle, gentle caress. Of For some beard. reason, heavy petting sounds better than the gentle, soft-fingered caress you're, you're I'm sure suggesting. for an additional fee, heavy petting no, could be. No, not all know. things are for sale, bro. <laughs> I, I hear you. Not all things are for sale. That's so <laughs> no, but, upsetting. No, but that's cool about the, about the network. Right. Uh, so explain a little bit. So how does the process work for someone to sign up for the network? It, it, uh, there is a fee involved, but it, it's yeah. a very modest fee considering what you're getting, right? Yeah, you, you get a lot. Uh, first off, it, it's, it's not just the shows, but we're on streaming services. So, I mean, you can download our app on Apple iOS or Roku or Amazon uh, TV. Is it Amazon? Amazon Fire, sorry. Okay. Uh, and Apple TV, and whatever the main streaming services are. And already, just to get the streaming services, we're six figures cash into that stuff, not to mention all of our production teams and whatnot. So it is an extremely expensive endeavor, and we have done this right. We went all in, all in on this. So we've spent an incredible amount of money to be able to bring this to bear, to be very entertaining shows, which you learn a lot from. You'll grow with us in that kind of warrior poet ethos. And so, and then all my class, just my classes alone would make the $90 a year, or right now it's 80 bucks a year when they sign up before we launch June 1st. And then after that, it should go to a hundred bucks a year or like nine ninety nine a month. Uh, will be the idea. So when we're uh, when we get there, so yeah, yeah, there's going to be a cost, and absolutely there should. I know some people will be that's horse crap. You ought to give me all the stuff for free and send me a check for for watching. <laughs> like, yeah, you suck, bro. <laughs> Stay up off of me. That's not how capitalism works. That's more of a socialistic uh, cry where they say Second Amendment, First Amendment, but then they say socialistic things like, but I want it all for free. Anyway, a little bit of a rant, but I read the YouTube comments, and folks are a little bit duplicitous, and you got to chuckle a little bit. So, oh, whatever. So, the, when you subscribe to your service, they'll get all of your classes? All my classes, so it'll be all like my episodic, shows. Like, you know, Pistol 1 or 101 Pistol or Fighting Pistol. Like, will it actually have, like, progression where they can start yes. with one and they can just move on? That's amazing. Yes, there's that no more other it. fees. So, yeah, that's, you'll get that's my classes, right you'll get Craig Douglas teaching yep. you knife fight. You're going to get Ryan Kletner right? teaching you long-range precision sniper shooting. And so if you just joined for one person's classes, you've already made out like a bandit. But we're going to give you everyone's classes. We're going to give you the shows as well. I mean, like this, for for people that are interested in what we're interested in, this is going to work like crazy. It's already worked. I'm watching people pour in in droves, and their expectations are pretty low because we haven't really communicated <laughs> it. But what they're actually getting is, I'm I'm proud. Uh, we've been planning this. We've that. been planning this for years. Um, and I think what's cool about this too is that you are documenting gun culture, right? Right, exactly. Both in the training aspect, which is important because something that gets thrown around a lot. Okay, and I'm not going to go into my personal feelings on this because this is about you. I want this to be about, about you. But yeah. one of the, the, the reoccurring themes that I see about anti-gunners in terms of how they approach the Second Amendment is they go, well, well, we don't have a problem with somebody owning a gun, but they should seek out more training. People should have more training or, or do this or do that. Or, you know, we get into licensing schemes and things like that. That's a separate issue. But the overall approach that the anti-gunners take is that they want to require mandatory training and things like that. Now, I'm not going to say opinion-wise whether I feel someone should have mandatory training or not. I mean, I obviously don't feel like mandatory training should be a thing. However, I feel that people should take it upon themselves to seek out the training just to be a better person in terms of, of being competent with a gun, right. safe with a gun, right? And making sure that they're not actually creating a, a liability by carrying a gun that they don't know how to use properly. 
sometimes when you introduce a firearm into a situation, it actually makes the situation worse if you don't know what to do. You know, you fumble around and drop the gun. Well, now you've created, you might have made a situation worse by presenting a firearm you're not prepared to use. You don't have the training disposition. You don't have the mental disposition to know, hey, you know, the, the mental fact that I may have to end someone's life you know that that alone is a very big barrier that people have to overcome that are going to carry a gun for self defense right and that that's ultimately what you're training for whenever you take a training class you're training it for the ultimate result is you are training to take someone's life you're not training to shoot a paper target you're not training to shoot steel you're training for the event that could harm yourself or harm your family and that's a very hard thing for someone to wrap around where they just purchase a firearm and they go well i'm just going to pull it out when i need it but if you haven't familiarized yourself with it if you haven't used it if you haven't even went to the range or took any type of training um chances are you're going to cause you're going to be more of a liability at that point than an asset i think what when we want to influence people that are really outside of our party already and what i mean is they're not in gun culture they're they're not really cozying up to second amendment and a lot of times it's because it's been stigmatized it's it's a fearful idea it's so outside of their context they really can't appreciate it and i think through experience and just through plain reason i could say even if i hit these folks with amazing statistics airtight arguments calm and sane if i really wanted to influence them and change how they thought the best way I could do it is probably hit them through their entertainment. If you, because people right that's what now Hollywood does right with all and of the, these and that's, hit pieces. That see, do. people don't realize that a lot of your political opinion is downstream of culture. So whether you're picking up your ideas through movies or TV shows or your peers or your cl- or the classroom or the steeple, you know, shadow the the, the church, you're you're getting all of your viewpoints in part through all the people we're bumping into, right? Entertainment now is this massive thing that is influencing us all the time. How many hours a day does the average person spend on Instagram, YouTube, Netflix, watching Tiger King, watching the news, watching movies, and you're like, holy cow, like no time in history. We'll consume more entertainment in a day than the average person back before the you know technological revolution would probably do in a month. We are in almost entertaining ourselves to death. So the person who can reach these people through entertainment, man, that can really change minds. But I think if an anti-gunner was able to just kind of connect with us through just real life and see us shooting and having a good time and being just like being good dads and and friends and oh they're working a job just like us and hey they made a joke and that was that was actually pretty funny and oh when they handle guns they have like these safety protocols they've got universal firearm safety rules they have systems for clearing and loading of like oh it's not it's not like if you look at a gun hard, it's going to explode, create a crater, and everyone die. It's not like that. And I think through that education, which we tunnel in through entertainment, we're going to make a massive uh, impact for the Second Amendment. But it's not in the political realm where everyone who wants to expand the Second Amendment means they really think, oh, well, let's organize and march on Washington. I'm like, man, Culture is one of the greatest places where we can get political traction. You want to influence culture and you want to mobilize those people in a uh, safe political way uh, so that we can work through political you know, processes to uh, achieve that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, I mean, you do it is a two-pronged attack. You have to you do have to affect change within the culture because there's two separate groups um of people, there are the politically active groups that yeah. like they love to go and march and they love to show their support, whether it's the Second Amendment, First Amendment, whatever they may choose to support. Um, that's what they do. They love to get out there and and show that publicly. And then you have the group that like to stay home and they like to do it more on the culture side. And I mean, huge point. If you can affect the group that is more culture minded 
and you have those that are out there supporting uh, on the marches and being political, and then they meet in the middle and they combine forces. I mean, the the war is over. Um, you need both. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of the politically minded look at those folks that are really being the attractive forces, bringing people into the gun community as if they're just sitting on their butts. Right. And furthermore, uh, the folks that are really inviting people into kind of say, hey, come shooting with us at the range kind of thing. And they're actually converting lots of people to gun culture who will later be Second Amendment advocates. But you really need both. You need uh, attractive evangelists and you need disciplers <laughs> it's like you, you can't get far without both whereas uh you know iraq veteran 8888 is far more politically driven and we're far more culturally driven i dare say even though your audience is definitely larger than ours i bet we're bringing more people in to gun culture than you are i'd i'd bet money on it but you're mobilizing way more into political realms and all we've established is man we've got two very different purposes and we better go heads down work together because it's the same thing but it's very different look one we are really trying to be a warm open attractive invitation into hey come shooting with us it's okay and uh yeah it's and, not the boogeyman it's yeah. not the boogeyman and then i think you're you're really pushing more and we're political as well we make political videos we're very open second amendment advocates we support a whole host financially of fpc and second amendment foundation and gun owners of america and uscc i mean we are behind the scenes we are partnering we are spending and we speak politically we just don't do it as often because our real goal our real ace in the hole is we're bringing people into gun culture. We're not inviting them to march on Washington. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, anyway, it just no, no, you're right. people don't understand that. And what they want is some folks are not going to be content unless we make every single video about the new HR, whatever, whatever, our um, Second Amendment rights. Are, and they think of like, man, how could you possibly make this feel like, hey, we're influencing culture, and you need right. that. You don't understand what we're doing, but it's really important. And I'm going to make political videos too, just not as much. Yeah, you you are you are absolutely right on target there. I agree with both you and Matt that uh, it is a dual pronged uh, spear. That's a dual tip spear that you know each point is going to be just as deadly, and you definitely need both. And I agree that culture is a very important part of it. And uh, I will sort of self-admit here, and uh, you called me out on it, so I will, I will admit, yes, that a lot of the things that we do within Iraq Veteran, you know, yes, we make probably more political type videos than just about any other gun channel, but it sort of became the reason, one of the main reasons that it, it became that so much for us is because so many people would like email me and and message me on Facebook or message me on Instagram and say, hey, Eric, we saw this blah, 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 HR, whatever. Can you please do a video on it? And I guess for my sake, it's like I try to give my viewers what they want. Mm -hmm. So if they ask for it, I, I kind of want to provide that. And it's kind of hard to walk away at that point. Like once you create that, you, you have to kind of go full in or nothing. But however... I do agree that the cultural side, I mean, like when I do a meltdown video and I'm shooting a gun in, into complete destruction, right? That's cool. Like someone clicks that video, they may not even be a gun person, but they may go, wow, this guy's having a lot of fun. Like, that's really that's cool, you know? Yeah. So having fun with guns is totally a super important aspect. Like when we do a range video, we don't discuss politics. Like right. if we're out at the range and we're showing off a pistol or a rifle or a shotgun or, hey, how far will it kill, or, or whatever, like all of these kind of things. We're trying to get people to just see that guns are fun tools and that you can go out and just have a great time, and guys at the range don't have to discuss crap that's going on. They can just simply get out there for the love of being a gun person, right? So um, what I like about your network idea is that you're promoting gun culture in a healthy, safe, positive, family-friendly manner. Right. And you're showing the, the back-end stories of what make – uh, makes gun owners tick and, and what people we really are, right? Because the media demonizes gun owners. And, and I feel like really for a lot of the wrong reasons, right, that most gun owners that I've ran into, are, they're all great people. They're, they're just average folks like you and I that are just trying to go out and make their way in the world. And they just happen to love guns and use them for various purposes. And, and that those purposes are completely normal 
uh, part of, of American society, right? Uh, we are a gun culture. Uh, the, America is a nation of gun culture. We always have been from day one. Nothing's changed that. It's just the optics of that, the view of that from the mainstream media and everything. That is what's changed, right. is the attempt to change people's perception at those high media levels where the bulk of the masses are getting their information from all these people. So, all right, so we look at your network. All right, even we look at the Warrior Poet Society YouTube channel. We look at IRA Veteran YouTube channel or any other large YouTube channel, network, what have you. Um, society has almost treated it as if it is this peeking behind the curtain, so to speak. They want to create this curtain between right. normal society and the guys that like guns, and they want to make this skirt you have to peek under, you know what I mean, or this curtain you got to peek behind. So how are we going to – and how can we help, and how is the perception of the network going to be when it comes to, hey, how do we get someone who might be opposing the Second Amendment – to peek behind the curtain and go, wow, this is what these guys are really doing in their everyday lives. I mean, is that accessibility to that type of a lifestyle in terms of them seeking out that lifestyle and knowing what it's about? How accessible is that for someone that isn't a gun person versus a YouTube video uh, where let's say that my my YouTube videos and your YouTube videos, all of us who are on YouTube, those videos are showing up next to completely normal things that people view as normal, right? Right. Or when they're searching for something, they, they may pull something up. Someone goes to YouTube and types in gun safety. All right, well, you're going to get a bunch of videos, right? So you seek that stuff out, and that curtain isn't really there. It's out there in a public forum, and it's out there in a place that exists amongst normal people, right? So um, there is a place for both, right? There's a place for a network of people like us. Yeah. And there's also a place where we want to fight for a public uh, footprint, too. Right. Because you don't want to be something that's pushed into a soft underbelly, in the in the dark underbelly, because then you, you get pushed behind that curtain, and you then become uh, that naughty thing that, that they want to be able to hide from public view as being yeah. something that shouldn't be widely accepted. Um, I think you, you hit a great point there on how do you how do you – affect change in that manner because when these youtube videos are coming up and that algorithm is going through john's video or your video might pop up next to a kitten video based on this person's um what he's been searching for he might have searched for you know nine millimeter and he's gonna get and he might have searched for you know piano cat and because he used those two search terms it'll it'll recommend one of your videos after he watches the piano cat video what i will tell you is that when I was introduced to uh, your content, John, pre-Beard, because I was watching pre-Beard, yes. Wow. A long time ago. So, huge fan, have been. Thanks, man. I know. Um, but um, as your production quality stepped up, I mean, that's really kind of opening that door to a lot of people watching that content, um, where it used to be more of like a homegrown content type of uh, channel. It really turned into a much higher production value, which really eased a lot of people into saying, well, you know, I'm going to watch a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And as that went on, as a trainer, uh, you've just made it super easy. And I guess I would say not intimidating for a lot of people when they watch the content, because it's so easy for a lot of trainers to go in and just go into this like super macho alpha male type mentality but it was a, almost like a, a breath of fresh air to see someone that was uh, humble, vigilant, had a great ethos, um, but also could be extremely violent. And they're willing to share that information with other Americans because you see a lot of trainers that really focus on, I only train law enforcement, I only train military. And from what I've seen in the past and currently, you do a lot of civilian training. So that's commendable because not a lot of trainers are out there focusing on that. I think the two major ones would be probably you and Clint Smith over at Thunder Ranch, where the majority of it are uh, civilian trainers or civilian uh, customers. But just making it super accessible and not intimidating to watch, um, you know, when you're showing, you know, uh, pistol drills or up drills and you're making corrections, you're saying you're being serious you'll go into dad joke mode and say hey you know you need to point the the boomstick that way 
But if you do see them mess up, you're still very firm. It's, it's a very split second. Like, this is serious. Listen to what I'm saying. But you still kind of take the edge off of it later. And a lot of people, that's what they're looking for. Everybody wants that military experience until they get the military experience. And they're like, yeah. I don't want the military experience. I want, <laughs> the, <very> true. <laughs> I, I want, I want the, the John Lovell dad brother experience. So be nice, but firm. And I think that's, you kind of scratch that itch for them. You give them the experience that you had in the past while, you know, using a velvet hammer to be kind of nice to them, but still training them in a way that, that it'll affect change and they'll remember it. Um, and I think it's great. I think you're doing a great job. And I think between that with you being the gatekeeper of, I would say, the Second Amendment beginners, and I don't mean that in a negative way because I think you mentioned it, you bring in a lot more new gun owners and a lot of new information for beginner gun owners because that's kind of where they get that, that first peak. Right. And as they grow in their life cycle of being a gun owner, they go, oh, I got the training now. Now what? I want to I pick up a uh, uh, Daniel Defense Mark 18. Okay, great. So let's look at some reviews. And then they start typing in reviews and then they start seeing more of the advanced reviews, some of the meltdown videos. And then that kind of opens right. the door to a lot of the more advanced, just the gun stuff. And it may not even gun nerd be that stuff. it's more advanced. It's just a different point like of view. The, the, and, I would say yeah. gun nerd stuff. So they're really getting into like the right. whole like gun nerd, like what is this? And then, you know, you have guys like Paul Harrell that are like super analytical and they really go down that rabbit hole of like why you want to do this, why you want to do that, what works, what doesn't. So we really have a cool community. Guys. Yeah, it's and really crazy. It, it's, it's encouraging and a, it takes a lot of stress off too of like I don't need to be the one stop shop of everything. Of Thank like, you. I don't yeah. need to do a meltdown video. Eric and Chad are going to melt it down. Just be like, hey, go see Eric and Chad destroy a perfectly good gun. People are like, they did what? I can't but that. I hate that. Let me go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> they blew and, uh, up a ten thousand dollar gun. Come on! And of like, man, I wonder if that gun's any good. Oh, I might as well call him Mister Guns and Gear. He has every every bit of guns and gear. Right? <laughs> he already knows. What do you and think just, about that? We we just got so many friends in the community that have just and everybody kind of focuses on something different. I am as as you said. I am after the common man. And and I really am very interested to be a gentle introduction into gun culture that's uh, informed and safe, and we hope to be attractive as well. So even our levity, our choice of words, and our subjects, our content, generally it's open for that we're after the common man. And that's what I am. Yeah, Good I used shows. to kick open doors in the desert, and I've got a, a, a switch I can flip. But really, when, when I'm not on the range trying to burn it down or doing some high-speed force-on-force training or something like that, I'm making Lego castles with my sons. <laughs> I love you it. Know? Who am I kidding here? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not... You have to be a man first before you can be a warrior. Yeah. You and still so got to be a man. You hey, know, you got to be an average man before you can be a warrior. And here, I think the average man should be extremely dangerous and extremely gentle. I think if you want to be a successful human being and a successful man, you need to be a lover and a fighter. You want to be a lion and a lamb, a warrior and a poet. And if you're only one of those maximized, I'm going to call you a failure as a man. You know, like, hey, if if you are truly a lover of people, love protects. That's what love does. Love protects. Not only take care and nurture, but love is ready to protect. That's a piece of love. And if you truly love and you protect, if, if you're a protector and you don't love what you're protecting, you're not going to stay a protector very long. And you're definitely You'll, not a protector if you don't have a way it means to do violence and a knowledge of you That's know, right. That, that's where mercenary, that's where tyrants come from. Those are warmongers who aren't attached to a, a a connection that really targets that aggression for a, a force of good violence with not tempered uh, and controlled by character and love it destroys everything. That's the bloody reign of our Hitler's and Mao's and Paul Potts and Stalin's that's, that's violence and aggression without a soul. And so we are warrior poets, lovers and fighters and so that we're after the common man. I want the common man to be extremely dangerous and extremely kind. Yeah. 
I mean, awesome. I agree. I, you look at like the the samurais back in the day. You know, they expressed really strong concerns over. Yes, you need to be an expert with your sword and your your weapons and your bow, and you need to be fit and mentally fit. But they also expressed, yes, you're going to learn to paint. You're going to learn to write poetry. You're going to write poems. You're going to literally play an instrument. Like most of them were required to learn at least, you know, an instrument, right? So they would all try to have an artistic outlet. And and that brought them closer to culture to help them be a part of the culture that not only was Japanese culture, but also closer to their families and their communities because, not only were you this great warrior, you're also a likable person. I mean, let's face it, you got to be a, a person that, you know, is, is likable and has at least a, a slash of culture. You know, you think about Ben Franklin, you know, and he was he was our uh, ambassador. And, and, you know, you couldn't find a better ambassador than Ben Franklin because he was a likable guy, right? I mean, yeah. who, who do you send to go break bread with your enemy, right? You don't send the... The the yeah. the super stern, hard nosed military guy who who's going to be by the book and say, "Oh, do this, or we're going to nuke you." No, you send the guy who, that is schooled and in conversations, and he could do that, especially to the French. Remember yeah, the he dismal did. disaster of sending John Adams, who was great in his own spheres in certain situations, but he was a disaster as a French ambassador. And Franklin, man, like I I love Franklin, but man, what that man was a morally riddled disaster in some ways incredibly upright and moral and commendable in other ways reprehensible terrible but, but people loved just, him though people and, did love him and he was a he was a man for the time just uh, but like, he was a politician just like winston churchill was a man for the time both winston churchill yeah. was who they needed and at the time that's right both fatally flawed and gloriously gifted and so as people are listening and like, I can't believe he said Ben Franklin. Doesn't he know Ben Franklin did such a – I'm like, yep, that's terrible, <laughs> horrible, not excusing and not calling them Jesus. They were all bad men and good men, kind of a big cocktail mix of sin and virtue, just like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I agree. I, so I before that- anybody throws a rock at us, I'm very intimately aware of the strengths and weaknesses of historical personages. And you're right for knowing them, but it doesn't mean we can't look up to the great stuff that they did, right? Of like, I've got. I've got a, a, a little bit of a bone to pick about those who overly exalt Japanese culture, particularly. It's almost a buzzword for us of like people okay. who go the warrior poet route of like, like the samurai. And I'm like, Sam, there's some cool redeeming qualities. There's also some fatal flaws with the samurai. And if you really want to look to the greatest warriors of all time, well, look to our special operations community right here in the West. You know, if like you notice there's no more samurais around. Why? Because they're an inferior warrior to the warriors we have now. And there are no greater fighters than what we have right here in the United States of America. The baddest hand-to-hand gunfighters you've ever seen who are currently balancing loving wives, playing with children, and stacking ISIS bodies in the desert. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that it's completely, completely understandable for people to be able to acknowledge their flaws, and their positive points, right? And like you said, every person in history has great things about them and bad things about them. And yep. yeah, it's like if the samurai were still around, would they want AR-15s? You're dang right they would. Yeah, you know probably I mean? be pretty good with them oh, too. Oh yeah, I'm right. sure they would. Those and, splits and transitions. Mm. <laughs> and I absolutely agree with you 110% yeah. that I am proud to be an American. I love my country. And there there are no better war fighters in this world than what our country has to offer. We we breed the best warriors on the planet, and, and that is 110% a fact. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. You know, guys are like, oh, man, this is a, this is a special, Israeli special forces technique, and this is, you know, from this special Polish Grom technique, and this is Krom. I'm like, guy, did can you tell me what a CAG technique is or yeah. what, you know, battalion some, is doing or, you know, and like, how about a U.S. for like, these guys are bad, man. These guys are just wrecking other countries. And well, you're in part of our powers. We're not afraid to learn from them. Like I've got Israeli jump wings and I've mm-hmm. cross trained with Israeli, you know, door kickers. And I've learned some stuff from them. We've also taught some stuff, but Americans don't mind being a melting pot for 
all kinds of different successful things. It was us Mm -hmm. that established the UFC, which became the perfect testing ground for the world's martial arts. And you noticed in UFC 1, all of these ancient fighting styles competed head-to-head, and you got to see what was beautiful, flowery forms that got their faces kicked in in an actual real fight, because we'd never put all these martial arts against each other. And when all the dust settled after UFC you know, whatever number, you found out, oh, okay, it's just good old ancient boxing, kickboxing, and Mm -hmm. wrestling was still standing on top of the mountain. Right. And a lot of the flowery, more circular forms where you could be a dangerous dude in your uh, whatever kung fu you're working, you can still defend yourself with that. But maybe this other martial art of just some really brutal kickboxing. But we were the ones that invited all these different forms together, studied them arbitrated between them and picked our favorites and that's part of our power in the military because you ask me what cag and ranger battalion are doing they're currently looking everywhere around the globe to find any edge they can asking the question why and why not and immediately implementing the good stuff nice and so we're not caught in a constant feedback loop of our own pride and tradition which may be good for the time being but it's no way to march forward to stay ahead of the curve in the future and i think that's part of our power we're we're not afraid to learn from other cultures and adopt the best they have we will learn from the israel some of those israeli dudes they're just super bad they've got some dangerous dudes (laughs) and every military does i'm thinking about uh some work that i've done with this uh british sas and sb holy those dudes are sbs as well those guys were really super switched on Really, really good. Um, um, this isn't relevant to anything, but right now my mind just wandered. And if I don't tell these stories somewhere, where will, <laughs> what will I do with them? But I remember well, it's cool stories. Um, overseas we challenged uh, some I – th- I think it was some SAS guys or maybe an SBS, but uh, SAS guys to a game of Ultimate Frisbee. Well, Frisbee was great because you could just kind of play it anywhere in your downtime. And this was kind of like an affordable operating base where we had some actual leisure time. And we just crushed them. And they're like, all right, how about something you didn't invent, mate? <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you have like Americans, the uh, critique around the world is when you can't beat us at real sports, you make your own and then you win it. <laughs> and so right. like, all right, fair enough. And then we played them in soccer and they just brutalized. <laughs> it was just brutalized. Their version of awesome. soccer is probably more like rugby in, in America. They're, you know, yeah. in the U.S., the, you play soccer and like you get touched and you fall and you flop to the ground. Yeah, there's none of that. These are all <laughs> – we're all out there of like, these are angry rangers in us. And so we're probably touching each other way more than the ball. I mean, this is it. This looks like football. I mean, like mm-hmm. this is very aggressive, but we're all laughing, bleeding, laughing. That, <laughs> that, that elbow to the lower Su- back. Yeah, like, super fun. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, that and that just, you know, to touch on that, every country does things differently. And um, that's very similar to my experience when I was training. I'm a two-time junior Olympian in Taekwondo. So Wow, man. So I'll tell you. Hey, wow, that's amazing. Not, well, that goes back to that whole like forms like thing yeah. not really working. It's I will tell you the first like it provides you enough, uh, you know, ability to protect yourself in a basic fight. Yeah. But I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you there's no uh, there is no replacement for like Muay Thai or wrestling or ground game. None of that exists. And it's very humbling when you like, oh, man, I'm like this, you know, great, you know, stand up kicker because that's basically yeah. it's 90% kicks. And then you get your head kicked in by a guy that puts you in a clinch and just goes to town on you with knees and he's, you're hurt. But yeah. uh, the way that you just described that sport in another country is when I went, I trained in Korea for about seven months before I went to my first Junior Olympics. And I would train in the U.S. my whole time. And we would use pads. Yeah. And then you go over there and they're like, all right line up, we're going to spar, and like, you go to get your gear, and these guys are just ready to go. Like They do full contact, like no pads. Like, cups? N- nothing. No cups? Nothing. Not these guys... in a cup. I and I mean, let me tell you, the first time you kick someone's elbow is painful. Yeah. Um, uh, and that just kind of shows you the difference in culture with, you know, they're playing different sports. That's regular soccer to them is to be, you know, jailhouse rules. And 
we're a little bit more sheltered uh, over here on, on these shores. Yeah, that's t- a lot of martial like taekwondo. Rightfully, it looks a little bit more like a point fighting sport. It's a it's but it can develop to a sport now. It, it, ah, very well said. Uh, but uh, I mean, some taekwondo guys. I mean, you've got some dangerous weapons you're wielding around, but sometimes it just hasn't been putting it into a real fight system, right? Uh, and you've been safeguarded like a. Uh, anyway, but some Taekwondo dudes, they can hit and kick extremely, especially kick. They can kick yeah. extremely hard. But if you can temper that into some real gritty fight stuff, that'll be great. I remember uh, this was years ago. I was fighting a sixth or seventh degree black belt in Tong Soo Do. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of like a karate show, whatever, but right. Tong Soo Do. And uh, yeah, we were sparring and I took him down. And he was absolutely blown away in a really bad way when as soon as we hit the ground uh, everything he knew went out the window and he could do nothing and to watch him as a master go through that and i mean he he fought as hard as he could but there was really nothing he could do against me and he knew it and then he couldn't stop me from taking him down and so all of a sudden here's a man that had spent his whole life pursuing this was at the top of the food chain, and then to have someone utterly just so easily take it away from him, it was really upsetting for him. And a lot of people in the UFC found that too. When Gracie first entered in against all these dudes and just took them down, boa constrictor, tied them up, and ended them quite easily in some things. And we're like, ah, you need a good stand-up game, and you need a good ground game. Yep. And that's what we learned from UFC. What UFC will never teach us is that you also need to have some idea of what do you do when someone has weapons. He's got a blade and you don't, or you both have blades, or he's got a gun and you don't, or you both have guns. And it's all within arm's reach. So some people will be like, well, if they just tried to do this, I'd shoot them. And I'd be like, yeah, I bet you have no idea what you're talking about. And right now they resent me because they, like the stand-up guy who has no ground game, they have no idea how it's really going to go. And the fact of the matter is, is if you're in arm's reach and uh, someone goes hands-on with you and you're concealing a gun, good luck getting that gun. I mean, maybe, but really you're in a martial arts battle and you may have a gun, but you may not be able to get to it. I've done this over and over and over again, and it is really, really, really difficult. A lot of times you need martial arts so that you will be able to make enough space and time so that you can use your gun. But if you don't have any good handling of martial arts and they have surprise and they get to go first and they've closed all that distance, man, unless they screw something up or you do something very right martial arts wise, you may not be able to get to that gun. That that would be not surprising at all. So being able to disarm someone is a big deal. You oh, get, yeah, you got to um, have some open hand skills. So uh, there, there, there's three pieces. You need a good stand-up game, a good ground game, and you need to know what to do with weapons. I love what you said about America being a melting pot of culture. And I, I think it's so it, it really ties in what you got. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to what you guys are saying and, and everything like that. Like some of the Nazis, when they were fighting us in World War II, they said, you know why the Americans are so hard to fight? Because they don't follow the rules. They don't read the instruction manual. Yeah, right. And and sometimes they, they, they interpret orders, not disobey orders. So it's like, you know, a general says, hey, here's your marching order, go do this. The guy on the ground may say, well, yeah, I was told to do this, but I'm going to self-regulate and realize that this is a better path when I'm on the ground. And sometimes when you're given lemons, you got to make lemonade, right? Right. And we were very good at doing that uh, in World War II, you know, yeah. kind of just self-regulating. And... The Nazis, right, were completely opposite. Yep. You know, if you had this order, you did this, and that was it, and you were, did what you were told. And, you know, when, when, when the officer yells attention, you stand. Like it, They were very disciplined. And sometimes being so disciplined, like you mentioned karate, like the black belt guy. Karate is a discipline. And it's cool to have that discipline and to be able to learn that art form. But you don't – the problem with all that discipline and all of that pedigree of earning the better belt and, and spending all the time to get all the experience in that art form that is karate, right, is that you don't learn how to lose. Yeah. So if you never diverge from the path and understand what can or could happen and all the where's and why's and whatnots that surround that, that art form, well, then how do you ever really become the best warrior you can be if you don't – 
look at you got to learn how to fail too. You know, some training, it, it, training very much is learning how to fail as well, right? We fail in training so that we don't die in combat. That's great. That's right. perfect. I like that. I wanted to circle back real quick. I, I know we're, uh, you know, about out of time, but I just wanted to circle back. Um, you brought up a very good point about, you know, martial arts and being in confined spaces and having open hand skills. And I think one of the eye openers is when you did that piece of content with Craig Douglas uh, inside the car, yeah, and I, a lot of people um, that are coming into this industry or coming into the the gun world are just you know martial arts or self defense uh, in general. They always want to look cool, and I think that brought up a really good uh, viewpoint of like it doesn't look cool. Like Mm-mm. a real fight is a fight to the death. A real like when you're fighting on the battlefield. It's not like the movies where you see all these guys and everything's cor- perfectly choreographed. Like it is, it's crazy. Like it's, yeah. it's really, really, you know, you have a lot of confusion. Chaos. You can't, you can't, it's chaos. And I would dare say it's not even really a controlled chaos. You got lots of noise, all this crazy stuff going on. And even inside the car, it's not like this crazy, you know, perfectly formed that you're grabbing I and mean, you're holding on and you're thinking, you're like, I'm just, not, I'm just going to hold this here and I'm going to try to hold this down while my brain tries to compute yeah. what I'm going to do next while you try not to put me in a cheese grater, <laughs> like make me a cheese grater. And I think that um, people just have to wrap their head around not looking cool and learning to actually, learning the fundamentals yeah. and learning what you need to do. I mean, I, I love that piece. I, I was like, wow, that's, that's eye-opening. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, I think we are reaching the end here. And, John, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate you being here. Great, great podcast. Yeah, man, I it's really been awesome. That was fun, man. That yeah. was real fun. I was waiting for this Thanks. all year. Oh, man. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Okay, yeah. so um, real quick, before we leave, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and let them know where to find the network and how to sign up real quick and everything like that. Sure. Really warrior poet society. We're easy to find type it in Google and uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, our network. We've got a website, warrior poet society, uh, us or.com, you know, just warrior poet type it in Google. You'll find us. All right. Well guys, uh, thanks for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. We'll see you guys soon. More on the way. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.